Welcome back to another episode of our podcast, Regulation Matters, a clear conversation. My name is Lyon Dempsey, and I'm the Chief Compliance Officer with Rick and Benny Associates here in North Carolina, and I'm your host here and, and happy to be with you. Um, I'm also on the CLEAR Board of Directors, as well as the current chair of the National Certified Investigator Training Committee with CLEAR. As you all are aware, the Council on Licensure Enforcement and Regulation, or CLEAR, is an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international community of professional and occupational regulation. Our podcast is just another opportunity for you to hear about the latest and greatest in our community. Today, I'm joined by Nick Lord, National Director for Government Relations, and Kim Eiskoff, Executive Director for Regulatory Operations. Both of them are with the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, or OPERA. We're glad to have both of you with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Well, we really do appreciate you guys joining us today. What we'd like to talk about with you today is a major project that I know you both have been involved with. It's a, a collaborative network of health workforce regulators. Nick, let me start with you and ask, so what is a collaborating center of the World Health Organization, or WHO, and what sort of work is a collaborating center of the WHO typically involved in? Well, thanks, Lyon. Uh, look, collaborating centres of the World Health Organisation are organisations that basically help carry out the programs of the WHO. That they can be research centres, uh, government agencies, uh, health service providers, um, and universities. That, that depending on the type of work that they might carry out for the WHO, and they're often organisations of some sort of national uh, significance. Uh, typically, collaborating centres, you know, work in areas such as uh, public health programs uh, like disease prevention, health promotion, nutrition, uh, etc. But they also cover other things that are related to uh, the agenda of the World Health Organisation, things such as health technology, uh, education of the health workforce, and also uh, regulation as well, uh, regulation of people, of products, uh, of services, all related to, to health care. So why did OPERA seek to be a collaborating centre with the World Health Organisation? Well, OPERA started its work as the National uh, Agency for Health Practitioner Regulation in Australia in 2010. And since then, we've always had connections to international regulators and other partners, uh, particularly in the United Kingdom and North America. Uh, we've had one-off uh, connections and engagements with the WHO over this decade. We've, for example, we've held collaborative meetings with regulators in our region uh, about uh, the status of regulation of the health workforce uh, and other such engagements. But in 2016, our executive came to the view that a more organised, systematic approach to our engagement with the WHO would be very beneficial for a number of things. Um, one of them was that it would make a meaningful contribution to building better and more contemporary regulation of the health workforce in our region. It'd help us to build networks uh, and share learning and expertise between regulators. And it also was recognising that the health workforce that we deal with is a global and mobile workforce. And that's got implications for regulators such as APRA particularly because Australia is a significant importer of health professionals every year. And it also uh, 
helps us to engage with other Australian-based healthcare services, uh, agencies and other universities that act as collaborating centres as well. So we basically saw benefits not only for our work but for other regulators in the region uh, as well by, by becoming a collaborating centre. There's about, uh, there's, I think there's hundreds of collaborating centres across the world with the WHO and there's 50 of those here in Australia. Well, let me ask you, I guess, looking at it from uh, the WHO's perspective, I guess, why are they um, interested in regulation of the health workforce? And I guess with that, you know, what is the link between regulating health practitioners and the WHO's goal of universal health coverage? Look, it's a good question. Uh, it's well recognised that health systems and services only function if it has a workforce. It's, a, it's an industry and a sector that is very reliant upon its workforce. And if universal health coverage is about ensuring that everybody has access to health services that are high quality, that are safe, that are affordable, then really it's not too long before the issues about regulating the health workers in that workforce um, becomes important. In terms of the quality of, the of their education and the standards of their practice particularly, um, is what becomes significant. It's really not sufficient that a country has enough available health workers for universal health coverage to be achieved, but they've also got to be accessible and they've really got to have uh, sufficient competence to be able to provide those services as well. So that's been somewhat of a focus of the WHO over the last uh, few years, and it certainly is becoming more apparent in a lot of their planning documents. And uh, one document that I'd certainly point to or to our listeners if they want to look into this more deeply is the WHO's Global Strategy uh, for Human Resources for Health uh, 2030. It's, a, it's an interesting read and it's available from the WHO website. Great. Thanks for sharing that, Nick. Um, I guess, how would you describe like the status or, or the current state of regulation of health workforce in countries like of the Asia-Pacific region? Well, it's an interesting mix, uh, and I'd probably put it, uh, the member states into one of three categories uh, in this Asia-Pacific region. First, we have a number of uh, what I guess most people would call first world countries, uh, countries such as South Korea, Japan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore, who, in terms of their regulation of the health workforce, all have well-established legislative arrangements to health practitioners. They all have somewhat different structures of regulating health practitioners um, and, and different degrees of independence in their regulation of health practitioners. But nevertheless, they're all relatively well-established and mature. We then have a number of countries in the region that you would generally describe as transitioning economies. These are countries such as Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, Malaysia, for example. They're relatively fast-growing economies, and it, as such, their health systems and services are rapidly evolving. Uh, and typically, their health workforce is also rapidly growing in number. And this is one of the challenges for their regulators, particularly, uh, to keep pace with this growth and to make sure that there is sufficient regulation in place for safe and quality services. These countries often have uh, established legislative arrangements for their regulation 
but the capacity in resourcing those regulators may be quite variable. And these regulators are often looking to tap into expertise and resources that ARPA has um, to help them out. And then the third category I'd have in our region, um, particularly in the countries of the South Pacific, these are small countries like Fiji, Samoa, uh, Tonga, etc., who may also have some regulatory structures in place, but they often don't have the size and the capacity to be managing some of the regulatory issues that are arising because the health workforce is changing. And some of those issues are to do with, for example, an increasing fly-in and fly-out workforce that they're experiencing in healthcare, coming from countries uh, as diverse as South Africa or India uh, or some of the South American countries. And they're also having to deal with a workforce that is more specialised, where more specialists are involved, and that in itself, of course, poses more regulation uh, challenges. So in summary, Lyon, I'd say it's, 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 it's a bit of a mix and that's what makes this work quite interesting. I would imagine. So, well, I guess looking at member states of the, the, the WHO, um, I guess what has been their initial level of interest for Operates Collaborating Centre? Uh, well, it has taken us a little time to establish some of the relationships uh, with the WHO member states. Um, typically, we've gone through and started the engagements uh, at a government level uh, to try and find focal points within the different governments and health departments that are within governments to try and establish links. Um, but we do have, um, I think, uh, a number of member states, and I've mentioned some of those already, but I'll say them again, particularly in Vietnam, Malaysia, uh, and some of the South Pacific countries that have been interested from the start and they've been quite engaging uh, and looking to sort of share information, share expertise and learn from our experience. And we've also more recently been starting to grow uh, a healthy level of interest in a range of other countries, particularly Cambodia, Laos, uh, Brunei and Hong Kong as recently as well. Wow, that's, that's great. Um, I guess, how is OPERA establishing the Collaborating Centre? I guess, what are the elements and priorities that they're, they're putting forth? Yeah, so when you become a Collaborating Centre with the WHO, uh, there's basically an agreed uh, number of deliverables or um, uh, areas that, that the Collaborating Centre will work in and towards. And so the first one was really um, in supporting of building information, uh, building relationships and information. Uh, the, the most important part of that work has been to establish a regional collaborative network of health workforce regulators. Uh, and we are now uh, having quarterly webinars um, plus other out of session uh, engagements to help discuss topics of uh, mutual significance and regulation and share information and expertise. That's certainly been our priority for 2019. But a second priority that's, uh, that we're building on now is to contribute towards building the capacity of other regulators in the region. And at the first level, this has been particularly about receiving quite a number of delegations from member states uh, from a range of countries. And also importantly, uh, this month we'll be sending our first ARPA staff member into one of these countries uh, on a short-term visit to act as a consultant in another country. And from there, uh, once we sort of establish those things, our next priority is then to work specifically towards enhancing the capacity of other regulatory staff in other regulators. 
through opportunities such as work exchange programs um, or other strategies that will help directly build uh, the capacity of other staff. Well, you, you might have answered my next question in that, but I guess um, you know this this network of regulators that you guys are establishing. I guess what do you ultimately hope to achieve um, from the network? Uh, look, first and foremost, particularly information sharing. Our, our chief executive officer, Martin Fletcher, uh, really believes that everybody who's involved in regulation has got something to both share and to learn from other regulators. Uh, and in terms of this network, um, I think there's two sort of ways we see that working. One is around the sharing of expertise and regulatory cha challenges such as enforcement, um, standard setting, uh, compliance, um, you know, particularly regulatory issues around continuing professional development uh, and so forth. But another way or another uh, important part of this discussion is really about workforce issues that are of interest in the region. And uh, just by way of example, at our next webinar, we're hoping to have a joint discussion on the impact of uh, free trade agreements that arise in the ASEAN region and the potential issues that are associated with both, um, the, the, well, with the free movement of the health workforce between countries that often arises through such free trade agreements. And then the other thing we're looking at the possibility of is, is the joint work between regulators between uh, the region. So an interesting example on this is how we might be able to develop mechanisms for sharing information about practitioners of concern who sometimes move between countries to avoid regulatory scrutiny. Um, this is something that we would be looking forward to to try and establish some dialogue um, or on other topics where sharing of information uh, would be uh, of great value. They can run but they can't hide, that's great. <laughs> That's it. Well, let me let me kind of shift over to Kim now, um, and and basically into into Clear's involvement um, in the network of health workforce regulators, um, in particular in the Western Pacific region. I guess Kim, what attracted uh, you know our board of Clear uh, to be involved in a network of health regulators in the Asia Pacific area? Thanks, Lyon. So I think. Uh, it's fairly clear from uh, what Nick's outlined about the purpose of the collaborating centre and the work of the network so far that um, the goals for the network are very much aligned with CLEAR's um, intent and its mission. So obviously across CLEAR we aim to provide a forum for improving the quality and understanding of regulation um, with all of us focused on enhancing our public protection mission. So when uh, APRA reached out to the CLEAR Board of Directors with an invitation to become part of the network, uh, the directors were very excited about the possibility of taking the experience that CLEAR has of bringing regulators together across professions and across countries um, and sharing information, being able to make that similar contribution to this emerging network in a, in a different part of the world. And I know I'm fairly familiar with it, but I guess for our listeners, um, tell us more about the involvement that CLEAR has had with the network to date. So our involvement with the network has been uh, relatively new, but uh, having been invited to join the network, the first thing that we've been able to do is to share with the network members who have 
um, a variety of um, state, different status in terms of the maturity of their regulatory systems, as, as uh, Nick explained. So our participation in the network to date has been to uh, explain to members in the region uh, what CLEAR's purpose is, uh, the kinds of events that CLEAR is able to organise, the communities of CLEAR that enable this continuing conversation about uh, issues of interest in regulation uh, more broadly. Uh, and just to really start to build awareness uh, among the member states about uh, CLEAR and its role in uh, enabling conversations around regulation. And, and with, I guess, from the CLEAR perspective, what do you see as the opportunities from being involved with the network? Well, I think the opportunities uh, are in a number of different kind of domains. So, of course, one of the things we aim to foster through CLEAR is that we learn from others and there are certainly opportunities for um, those of us who've been involved with CLEAR for a while to continue to learn about the establishment of emerging regulatory models and the operation of regulation um, in the Asia-Pacific region. We see the opportunity to continue to share what we know um, with those in the region for the purpose of uh, enhancing the regulatory system and uh, whilst Nick spoke about the, the movement of practitioners within the region, we know of course that there's also movement of practitioners across the world. Um, so the more we're all engaged in the same conversation about our expectations of registered practitioners, um, the stronger our overall ability to continue our public protection mission. Of course, uh, part of the intention would be to encourage member states to think about the value of joining CLEAR, um, joining its communities of practice, its communities of conversation so that these discussions about regulation spread beyond the region uh, and into uh, the rest of the CLEAR membership. And I think, uh, you know, an ultimate goal, one of CLEAR's strategic directions is to continue to grow the membership and grow the participation of regulators in the Asia-Pacific region. It would be great if we got opportunities to continue to extend uh, things like our education offerings into the region. Um, we've uh, dipped our toe in the water, so to speak, by holding uh, a symposium in New Zealand in late 2018, um, which was also supported by uh, a number of our uh, regular training programs, both for board members and for executives of regulatory agencies. So continuing this close cooperation with uh, the WHO Collaborating Centre and its member and the member states um, gives us opportunities also to look at continuing to expand that reach. It's always uh, quite exciting um, when I get updated on things. Well, what what ways I guess can our clear members get involved? That's a really good question, Line. I think what I would um, respond to is uh, Nick's comments about uh, the challenges, I guess, of making sure that we reach or the collaborating centre reaches all of the right people within the member states. So my call out would be for clear members, many of whom belong to profession-specific international associations of regulators. Uh, if you've got contacts in the region, uh, who you think might benefit or be able to offer a benefit to the Collaborating Centre and, it, and its regional network, um, I would encourage you to share those details. 
um, because the more participation uh, there is in this collaborative network, the richer the discussion will be uh, and the more opportunities there will be for learning from each other. Perfect. Well, thank you. Well, I think this has been uh, great to hear about this project, uh, so I want to take a moment just to thank both uh, Nick and Kim uh, for your time and being part of this clear podcast. Um, I think it's, it's tremendously exciting and wonderful to have the opportunity to share and learn from each other, and especially in this level, I think this is very important for the future. So uh, thank you for speaking with us today. And thank you, our listeners, for returning and, and, and checking out our podcast again. We'll be back with another episode of Regulation Matters, a clear conversation very soon. Please subscribe to our podcast. It's available in a lot of different avenues. It's available on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a rating or comments in the app. This is very helpful for us to uh, improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. Feel free to visit our website at www.clearhq.org for additional resources as well as a calendar of upcoming training programs and events. Finally, I'd like to thank our CLEAR staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson, our content coordinator and editor for this program. Once again, I'm Lyon Dempsey, and I hope to be speaking with you again very soon.